Welcome to Hungry Authors, the show for aspiring authors who will stop at nothing to accomplish their writing and publishing dreams. We're your hosts, Liz and Ariel, and we're honored that you're here. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hungry Authors podcast. Today, we have one of my favorite people in the industry and in the world, um, Lucinda Halpern. She's the founder of Lucinda Literary, um, a dear friend and client of mine. I had the honor of working on a book with her. Lucinda, welcome to the show and please introduce yourself to everybody. Well, cheers. I brought my cup of coffee because that's what we do in publishing. We drink a lot of coffee. Um, and I'm just so psyched to be here with these two wonderful women. I don't know Ariel very well, but Liz is like a superpower mom. We are wired the same way, just get it all done. Um, and anyway, a, a more professional background on myself. I started Lucinda Literary, which is a literary agency for um, big idea books, uh, popular science, some memoir, sort of a, you know books that look to change the way we live, think, and act in the world. I started that about 13 years ago now. Uh, it's it's based in New York. We have several agents, and we've got a number of best-selling authors I've worked with through multiple books. Um, and we've got a few other things that we do pretty unconventionally. So we have a speakers bureau for our authors who generally um, speaking is a big part of their careers. We've got a whole course and consultation division where first-time authors who are just looking for guidance can go and talk to agents directly, which is a pretty unusual opportunity. And we have monthly events. So we're doing a lot more besides representing writers, and it's been really, really rewarding. When you are looking for potential new authors, tell us more about kind of the filters that are going through your brain. And let's let's talk about prescriptive nonfiction and memoir specifically. Tell us about kind of the differences there and what you're looking for. Sure. So um, we think of this as big idea. That's what we're really looking for. And it's what publishers today are looking for too. But what is a big idea? Because everyone thinks they have an idea and what makes it small or big. So for us, those are two different things. One is that it is both universal in its theme and in its subject matter and has a unique point of view. The other is that it is both timely and timeless, meaning it's sort of capturing a current conversation or zeitgeist or a point of interest. But it also, again, in the in the way of universal, has themes that stand the test of time, which could be loss and affliction, coming of age, David and Goliath, sort of underdog stories. Anything that ultimately leads to a transformation is super important. I love how you said that. Like, what are the filters? Because agents really do review queries in very, very quick time. You only have so much of our time. And you have to hook us immediately. And so I'm looking for that combination. But what I'm really looking for is a unique takeaway. I can give you some common examples of things that we see a lot of that we don't, uh, that don't have that takeaway, which a lot of new writers find instructive. So one that your audience might come with would be um, a story of affliction and loss, a memoir about affliction and loss. And 
it's always devastating, right? It's always, and, and I always admire authors who are brave enough to put those stories down on paper because it's such a difficult exercise. The issue with that translating to a wide audience or a commercial book that a publisher would buy is that often they're not giving us another worldview. They're not um, talking about other characters. They're not touching on current circumstances. So it becomes like we're living in your head and we're also deep in the heart of your pain, which is not something that today's reader is looking for because we want to escape this world of pain. Um, we want to be transported somewhere we don't know. So, you know, that, that would speak to the memoir example. And then in terms of prescriptive nonfiction, which you had asked about, again, that takeaway, it's like, what are we learning here that's new, that hasn't been said before, or it's being said in a, in a distinctive and new way. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, that's what I guide you in. Of course, people like yourselves help writers refine that more. Agents help writers refine that more. But it's pretty clear when you pick up a pitch if it doesn't have a takeaway, if it doesn't have a big idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up pitching because one of the things I learned um, from you, and of course is a huge point in your book, is this idea of pitching, which is query writing, which is basically writing an email that's going to get an agent's attention. So much in my experience, and in, I, I know Ariel would agree, so much um, focus is put on book proposals, right? And book proposals are important. You have to have a good one. But a lot of times you don't even, you can't even get your proposal in the hands of anybody if you can't pitch it right mm -hmm. in a, you know, in a quick way. Like I, since working with you, I've change some of the advice I give people when they're working on the proposal and I'll say, great, but have you pitched it to anybody yet? Have you refined this? Can you, you know, there was, there's some great quote that I'm going to completely butcher, but it's basically like this guy writes a long letter and he's like, if I'd had more time, I would have made it shorter, right? Because it's harder to say things That's in a brief way. Yep. And so, so anyway, the art of the pitch, the query letter, this part that seems often to be an afterthought after everyone's done the whole work of the proposal, they say, okay, now I'll just whip up this query letter. But in your book and in your agency, you put a high, 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 well, I mean, you're receiving the query, but when you coach authors, you put a high amount of importance on this query that often seems to kind of be an afterthought for some people. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if people want the in-depth, you know, examples and explanation, they can go get the book, but give us a little bit of some instruction that you give people about how to pitch well. Yeah. If I can preface, if you'll let me with like two yeah. really surprising facts about pitches you would not know as a writer. I love it. Go. So mm -hmm. one would be you write a short but captivating pitch and you don't have a lick of material developed, you've got an agent hooked into having a conversation. What is a query letter? It's a conversation, or it's a conversation opener. All you want to be is in conversation with that agent and you've succeeded. So we've signed projects as have many other agents on the basis of a pitch. Alternatively, if you've written the full memoir, the full manuscript, and you, um, it, what, what's, what's surprising about that is you will learn so much more in pitching it and find all of the, you'll kick all of the tires, you'll figure out all of the weaknesses, you'll diagnose all of the challenges 
And ideally, if you follow the advice and get signed, you'll also see all the strengths of your work in that pitch letter. So the pitch becomes so super important in those two ways that I think are um, other than an author might expect. Uh, because so many people come to our agency and they say, I've got a manuscript, will you read it? The pitch is not more than that. They're just describing the manuscript they want us to read, and that's very different than a query letter. So in terms of, cap of trying to capture, and of course, you know, there's so much more in the book, I hope I'll be able to remember it, but um, there, you know, there's some basic rules you've heard before, and one of them is personalize the letter. You know, don't slush... 50 agents with the same letter because we can tell right away that it's a template approach. Often we get query letters that aren't even in our subject of interest, proving that the that the writer's done no research whatsoever, and that's an automatic deal breaker. And it just signals desperation, right? It's like, I'm just trying everyone there is. We've even seen writers, please don't do this, people listening, copy lots of agents on one, sometimes open CC'd, you know? And it's like, you just feel spammed. You don't want anyone to feel like this is spam. You don't even want them to feel like it's slush. The best pitch letters will feel like it's you're in an intimate and solicited conversation with someone because ultimately we do want to receive queries from first-time writers because you're the talent that creates our livelihood. So, you know, so just remember that as you're going forth in this daunting process. Uh, so the personalization is key. The elevator pitch, what you're talking about, those two lines that if you have a minute in an elevator, you're going to tell me about what your book is. It's not going to be just about your book, as we talked about. This letter is not going to be just your synopsis. It's going to be more about what I call in the book the five W's, so the who, what, where, when, and why. And if you sort of adhere to that formula, you, you'll be able in your paragraph to tell us exactly what happens in the in the book, because 98% of the time, the, the slush queries I receive, I can't tell you what actually happens in the book. You can imagine that's a huge problem. Now, why is there so much importance uh, put on the query letter? It's not just a matter of an agent or a publisher's time. It's ultimately a reader's time. We're all flipping through Amazon. We are finding three short paragraphs that get us to buy a book or not. And so if an author can't do that for the work that they know best, that's going to be a real problem for readers later on. And publishers will know that. Something too that I want to touch on that is really interesting and that I liked about, of course, you in the book is that you are a smidge about breaking the rules sometimes, which I... <laughs> You know, a lot. Now, we don't want to give any blanket bad advice about if an agent wants you to contact someone in a particular way, you can follow those rules. But a great pitch, a great query letter covers a multitude of <laughs> sins to some degree, right? <laughs> like, you know, finding the exact email address of the agent or basically, you know, if you're pitching right, no, no agent is going to say, wow, this is amazing. I think it's going to be a bestseller, but you know what? You didn't use my contact yeah. form. So <laughs> I'm just not going to, I just feel like so many, so many um, authors get a little bit wound up in like the right way to do things or the right time to do things. You know, the, what if I self-published, whatever, you know, kind of all of these things that 
that don't really matter compared to this, right? Compared yeah. to getting yeah. this part right. Just have a great idea, have a great pitch. That's really the most important part. So absolutely right. I'm so happy you brought that up because it is like one of the most fun and juicy parts of the book. Yeah. And it's supported by, because I, I conducted like 20 interviews for this book with best-selling authors and, you know, really well-renowned editors and agents. And they supported this, you know, the the idea that you you capture them in whatever way possible. Peter Heller, um, who's the best-selling author of The Dog Stars and The River and Celine and a number of other books, he's like, to be honest, Lucinda, I never followed any of those rules. And he's just like the kind of contrarian author I love, you know. Um, the idea is that there are so many of these like complicated query portals and systems, and you don't know if anyone's ever receiving it on the other end, and it may not even break it through our, our spam filter. So if you follow the, the sort of formula of creating the perfect pitch that is outlined in Get Signed, find your way to hit all of those highlights in whatever format they're requiring. Better yet, subscribe to Publishers Marketplace and get a direct email for the agent that you are looking to contact. Even better still, find the one person that you know in publishing who's published a book and ask for some form of warm introduction, even if it's in a completely different genre, like find any way you can to break in through your network. And, you know, those are, those are the sort of most, most important things I'd say. At Lucinda Literary, we've actually taken this advice, right? We hear from so many writers, stop making it so tough. And we've developed on our submissions page a super quick form that's just like, tell us who you are, give us the book in three to five sentences, attach some sample material if you'd like, and we'll be in touch with you if we're interested. And it's just made it really easy for people to submit without having to go through all those hoops. Yeah, it has such a gift, really, because I'm sure you know, I mean, authors spend just hours upon hours querying and trying to, you know, meet every single agent's you know, really subtle specifications and stressing so much. And half of, you know, half of the coaching process is just like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Like everyone here is, you know, professionals. I promise you they've seen it all. It's really going to be okay. But I, I appreciate on behalf of authors listening, the explicit, you know, permission to just like, make it easy, make it a little bit easier on yourself. Yeah, definitely. And lean into your writerly self, like your writer, because this is a letter that should have the sensibility of your voice, right? And that's something that Paul Whitlatch, who's another, you know, he's an editor at Random House who interviewed for the book. He's like, that's what he's looking for, not some formal presentation, not I am Liz Morrow and I'm pitching you or, or worse in the third person, which we get a lot of too. It's like, this is supposed to feel like a, a conversation with a friend or someone I know or want to know. So be the writer you are. Use a little humor. Why not? Make us laugh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you have written this book, which is called Get Signed, and it's coming out any day now, which is amazing. But tell us a little bit more about like why this book right now kind of in your career. What are your hopes for this book? Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about the why for you behind all of this. Sure. So Ariel is quizzing me as I would be quizzed in a publisher meeting, by the way, writers listening, like this is the first question you will be asked if you get in the room with a publisher when they're considering um, acquiring your book, why this book now? 
So uh, that's a that's a fun story to tell. Um, pandemic, I guess when I started Lucinda Literary, I always was more interested in a business that could scale, that um, would touch and impact a lot of people versus just an exclusive few. And the publishing industry, as we know, has long been very exclusive. Um, that's been wonderful in the sense of working with a select group of authors I love and nurturing their careers in a very hands-on way that we're really proud of at Lucinda Literary, but it's not so great for all of those writers who are just like so desperate for the guidance and can't break in. So pandemic hits and everyone's doing things online. And I said, I'm going to try some online courses and events and workshops. And I'm like in the dimly lit children's bedroom, you know, trying to give these events totally phobic of public speaking and found that people really, you know, needed this advice and needed this information. So I started teaching, you know, one student became 10 and 10 became a hundred. And now it's been hundreds of people who have been through our programs. Of course, one of them was called get signed. And not only that, many have gotten signed and they come back to give us their success stories about how they applied the formulas to actually get the agents and the book deals of their dreams. Once I knew I had that sort of what I call, Liz will know, like proof of concept that this formula worked, it was of course a natural to try to bottle it up and put it in a book and share it with the world, which a book allows. So that's sort of the why now. Another fun fact is most clients that we take on in this area of nonfiction, practical nonfiction, they're about a decade into their careers just hovering around that area when they are perfectly positioned for a book deal. It's a funny thing. Like come to us five years in, you're probably too early. Come to us 10 years in, you're right where we want you. It's like you're still growing, but you've also accomplished, you know, and have the the recognition in your field. So um, that was the why for me, but you know, what a crazy meta experience of the agent becoming the author, right? Yeah. And how much I've learned from that and how much it's transformed my author care. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I can, I can imagine. And Liz and I feel similarly, obviously with the hungry authors book too, it's, it is definitely a weird meta. We're like, man, I guess we should apply a lot of the things that we <laughs> Now. And isn't that hard? Yes. Like oh funny, God. funny story. And Liz was on the call. We're on with my editor at Hay House. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just want to encourage you to um show and not tell. And I'm like, <laughs> I I don't know if I laughed or cried. I was mortified that I would be getting the most basic advice that I give to every new writer every day. And yet so hard to do. So like what what does it even mean? Well, what it means is illustrate, not you know, not use exposition everywhere, not characterize everywhere. Um, so yeah, it's wild, huh? Totally. Yeah. Well, and tell us a little bit about um getting just getting your own experience getting signed. So of course you had your agency up and running, you were about 10 years into your agenting career. You'd done this um, you've done some online workshops, so you had proof of concept, but you know, and, and of course you were in the industry, so you had contacts, but it wasn't like you had a huge platform. You didn't have, you know, this, like a lot of what people like say you have to have. Mm -hmm. And though you, you are an expert and you did what we counsel a lot of our authors to do, which is 
start with your expertise. That's usually a great place to start. If you want a career as an author, start there. And you did that. Um, but you didn't have a, a, a big um, platform and there are thousands of literary agents. So what was yeah. the process of getting signed like for you? So you guys ask brilliant questions. These are some of the best I've gotten. So as you know, in Get Signed, one of the things we say is that there are three keys to getting a book deal. And it's great writing, an irresistible platform, or a big idea. Um, you don't need to have all three. This is like the critical news. People are focused on, I've got to be a good writer and I'm not good enough, or I've got to have those millions of social media followers and I don't. That's usually the biggest one, right? Lacking the platform. So what I lacked in platform, I made up for in idea because there was a gap in the market for this kind of book. There are plenty by coaches and authors. Um, there are some by editors, some really good ones. But there actually isn't one by a current New York in the trenches, selling books every day, um, published in, in the last five years, book like this, right? So that that was the big idea that one needed. It was that combination of timelessness, which like Hay House sees this as a perennial book. Anyone who is writing a book, of which so many people are going to come to this, and timeliness, which is like the market needs this right now because it doesn't exist on the shelf. To that, you add a great title like Get Signed, right? You know, I have to give that title credit and I give it credit to the person who helped me brainstorm it. I'm not even sure it was me. But, you know, you, you've, you've got to sort of pair that idea with like what I call a title concept, a title that actually tells you the concept. That was part of... Um, part of the reason that it sold. I think the engagement in the platform is important. So as we talk about this in the book as well, people focus on the numbers, it's more about engagement. So through our like small but mighty email list that I think is at three or 4,000 people now and started at 100 um, or, or started at zero like everyone else, these are people who are really fans and who keep coming back for valued information. So. There are a lot of different ways to um, to prove that you've got something, and then in the writing aspect, uh, you know, the funny thing is, I've always thought of myself as a great writer. I started as a poet, you know, I wanted to be a creative writer, and I studied English literature, and you know, even as an agent, I do a lot of sort of co-writing and deep developmental and editing work with my clients. Funny thing is, when you're writing a book on your own, you realize or at least I did, all of the weaknesses in my own writing. And so I worked with Liz as, as what's called a book collaborator um, to really be my partner in the process. And truly one of the best decisions I made because you need, I mean, A, you need someone thinking through these things like 24 hours a day. You really do. They are just, it, it's all problem solving all the way. But you also need someone um, in, you know, what Liz's superpower is, is streamlining and clarifying these concepts that live in my brain that I say every day that make such, um, you know, utter sense to me, but need to be explained to people who are brand new to what you're saying. So, so much value to be had in working with someone. And at the end of the day, I read this book and I'm like, this is damn good. This is well-written. And, you know, so hopefully we're, we're striving always toward those three keys. 
I am so excited to get my copy. I have it pre-ordered and everything. I can't wait for it to arrive. Um, but I'm so glad you brought up kind of those three things and that you really only need two of them. So the three things were, for those listening, a reminder, great idea, good writing. You said an irresistible platform. We talk a lot on this show about platform and, you know, basically how do all these things rank? You said for you, you were able to kind of make up for the lack of platform with a really fantastic idea that filled a gap in the market. And, you know, you just, it was able to offer something really unique and necessary that is also timely and timeless. So how do you help other authors kind of assess which of these three areas they should kind of lean into and where they can, you know, where they can also kind of shine in those, navigate that those three things. Okay. I love it. Um, I'm writing it down because I just want to back up and just tell you more about the book deal quickly. Really, if I may, I was planning to self-publish this book and very happily so. And I'd already hired like a hybrid publisher, wonderful, I think it's called She Writes. I didn't know that. This is oh, new information to me. Okay, this is like a yeah. this is a teachable lesson to new writers because, um, okay, you know yeah. what what I what one can learn from this is if you have the vision and the uh, self accountability and like you are totally you're self believing that this needs to be published. Nothing wrong with self publishing, and people have done it so successfully. And it can be a total calling card for your business. And so it doesn't, you know, the traditional path is not right for everyone. And I did not think it was right for me. So I was eager and motivated. I, start, I started down that path. When I had dinner with my friend, Patty Gift, who is an associate publisher at Hay House, again, lots of people don't have those opportunities. I do work in the industry. You have to, as a writer, talk about your book everywhere you go, right? This was like, I was shy about it because... Who am I to be writing a book? It's kind of silly. Who knows? And, you know, over my second or third glass of wine, I was like, I, I should bring this up. I should tell her I'm writing this book. And I did. And she's like, don't self-publish that. We want to, we want to commission it. And it was the first time in my life, I think, ever that a gift was given to me that I didn't push for. You know, as an entrepreneur, it's like you drive, you drive results. It's all on you. And I'm so used to doing that in my life. But this was like a totally unexpected gift. Another teachable lesson from out of that, besides talk about your book everywhere you go, because you never know who you can meet or who will, you know, make something possible for you, is um, the exclusivity aspect. So when that happened, I didn't get an agent and say, hey, can we shop this around all over town? Because that would have been dumb. What I did was nurture this relationship and this intention with a trusted friend and publisher that we would figure out the right deal and they'd be able to publish this well. And where this can apply in your agenting search is it's almost like a college application. It's like, choose that one that you want, make that person feel really special. And if you have that weak platform or idea and you need help, like what, what could be better than that? Do you know how flattered I am when writers come to me and say, you are the agent I want to work with, you know, and it, it just, it means so much if it's real. So one of my pet um, concepts that I talk about all the time is self-efficacy, which is um, this idea that Albert Bandura, who's a psychologist, came up with. He actually passed away a couple years ago. And um, so self-efficacy is our belief in our own ability to accomplish a goal. And a, sorry for my dog barking there. But essentially, you know, there he said there are four ways to build self-efficacy. 
doing, accomplishing little mastery experiences, uh, seeing other people like you succeed at something similar. Number three, getting authentic encouragement from someone you trust who you see as an authority in that thing. And then number four would be reducing stress around the task. But what you just said was a perfect example of that, you know, social persuasion of having someone who you deeply trust, who you see as an authority in this sphere, you weren't even, you know, you weren't even seriously considering traditional publishing before someone who you trust, who has the authority said to you, no, 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 I believe in this Mm. for you, even if you don't have that belief Mm -hmm. in it yet. And that was kind of the key to unlocking this whole trajectory for you, which I absolutely love. I just got chills. That's really powerful. Yeah. I, yes. but that's absolutely true, right? <laughs> well, and similarly, this is in the conclusion of our book, but we were originally going to self-publish as well. Ariel and I, you know, years, two years ago now or so, we were like, hey, we need to write this book, helping people write nonfiction books. Um, and we had it all planned out and did the mapping process that we outlined in our book. And we spent months doing it and then all of a sudden on one random call on a friday ariel said we write book proposals for a living like why don't we just shoot our shot like why are we not and and again like we counsel people to hybrid or self-publish all the time it's a great fit that we very well could have done that happily because we thought you know there was a gap in the marketplace there's a there's a lot of books about how to write but a lot of them are so, so many of them are focused um solely on the craft and a lot of them are focused solely on the like commercial side of it and some of sometimes because we say this lovingly about our industry they can kind of sometimes come from this lofty elitist you know your chances are very few and far between mentality and so we thought there is a place for something a little bit more casual encouraging authentic that actually showed people how to do the writing part of it and sell it anyway we wrote the proposal, did the thing, got a lot of rejections, um, but it only, it took only one, takes one, like, which is something else that comes up and get signed mm-hmm. is we got a lot of rejections. And then we met Kristen at Roman and Littlefield. And not only did she want it, she was very enthusiastic about it, which is, you know, all agents are just like people, yes. you know, some you have to meet the right one. That's absolutely you know? right. And and the wrong thing to do is focus on the rejections, but focus on the person who really has the vision and who can be the right advocate. We talk about that too in the book about do you go with the solopreneur or the young and rising assistant agent or the, you know, legendary, super experienced agent. And um it does come down to vision and trust. You know, do they are they going to honor your vision and do they have ample enthusiasm because this is a long journey and they've got to support you throughout. So it's really got to, it's like nothing short of a marriage um, and you can't focus on the one that got away. Yeah, that's that's so, so very true. And what a gift that you you have such an important role to play in author's journeys and you get to kind of partner with people for the long term. Um, that's something that I often emphasize to to aspiring authors is that like this is a long term relationship. You are not just here to write one book. You're here to have a career as a writer, and you want to find a partner who's going to support you and you know be the wind in your wings and all of that jazz. But it really it's very true. Um, it's it's very true. It is like a, yeah, a marriage. It really is. 
So what has surprised you about the publishing process for your own book? Has there been anything, you know, you said like, obviously being kind of in the author's shoes, it's very different, but has there been anything that really surprised you about the traditional publishing process? Oh my, so much. And I did write a blog post on this and Liz has mentioned, it's called Seven Lessons That I Learned uh, Writing and Publishing a Book. And I think that's now at 20 lessons in my brain in terms of how much I have to add. But um, it is so vastly different on the other side. So a couple of the things uh, that, again, have transformed how I understand authors now as an agent. Like I thought I was compassionate before, but now I'm you know, it, it's just like it's raised raised that enormously for me. Um, you know, A, editors are really oversubscribed and busy. It's never been worse in terms of their workload and the pressure to acquire and edit. And I don't know how they do it. You know, in the in the, in the pre-order bonus interviews we uh, have, they talk about all of the things that they have to do in a day and, and what it is that attracts them to new material to prioritize time accordingly because they are humans who have families, pets, and otherwise. So, you know, one of the things is exactly how to get attention from your editor and, and you know, waiting, waiting to hear back on your material, which is really just a very vulnerable thing. So that surprised me. Uh, obviously, the work of writing really surprised me. Uh, one of the huge benefits of it as someone who has courses and speaking presentations is how much it clarified my actual message in business. It allowed me, in the same way I was saying that the pitch diagnoses all the issues with the manuscript or the proposal, the book diagnoses all the issues with your courses and everything you teach, um, including to clients, right? Like, like we, Liz and I were able to come up with a language um, and a way of understanding and formulating this pretty complicated stuff into something more easily teachable. And that exercise of like clarifying your brand and your message is just a business game changer, right? You realize all the ways that you were saying it wrong. Um, gosh, I mean, there are so many things I learned. I think another, another thing that I encourage writers to do, and maybe they want to do it before they take their work out to agents and you know, shoot their shot, as Ariel said, is to have a reader's committee. So I engaged like 15 people. Some of some were students, some were industry people, some were authors. My husband was one. Some were ghostwriters who worked with, you know, people, other writers who might have a sense for this. And I didn't say mark up 15 documents because that would have been a nightmare. I said, let, let me give you some like sort of directed guidance on what I'm looking for you to comment on things that primarily don't work. I, I love your flattery, but I'm much more interested in what needs to be fixed before this goes out to an editor. And to do that in more of a, a beta stage than a, a plus stage so that you can really like iron out those kinks before an industry professional sees it. Um, and so when it came in, our editor said, this is really clean and we don't have many changes. And as Liz knows, I was like, okay, wait, no, tell me like, what's wrong with it. I don't believe you. Like this is, there, there are too few edits. So I, I mentioned that to say, you can really get a lot in that developmental phase. That's important. And don't expect an agent is going to be doing that for you. Things have to come in pretty well baked uh, just in these market conditions. Yeah, that's um, that was amazing. And we did like we learned that 
as well when we did ours. And I've since given that advice to others that that trusted beta reader group is from working with you, how valuable that was. And you learned from me, my neuroses about not having 15 different versions <laughs> of the doc markdown. <laughs> it's too hard. Oh, it's too hard to do. I, Plus everyone has different, you know, yeah. subjective things. You want to focus them on trends so you can correct those things. Yes. Everybody um, go get, uh, get signed. By the time this comes out, it will, uh, be available for purchase. It's available for pre-order now, but it launches on February 6th. You're not going to find a better book about if you want to be a traditionally published author, fiction or nonfiction, anybody who wants a book deal. Thanks guys. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're a hungry author and you want to learn more about our community and courses, head over to hungryauthors.com. Remember, you have a story and a message worth sharing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen.